Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? And Mr. C.H. Siddons. It's so good to be here in the cave. I know. It's great to be here. The cave. The cave. And we had a special guest with us just a few minutes ago. We he's, did. He's left since. I mean, the yeah. dog leave. Finn. Uh, I know. The Finn, Finn, Finn likes you guys now. He does. Yeah, and you dog people. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's you're you're newly married, Mr. Siddons. That's the first thing you do. Is after, it after you build a porch? No, I'm <laughs> like good. You did. You got to get a dog. Let's see. I want to get a child that never grows up <laughs> and poops everywhere. You know what I don't like about dogs? Tell me. Is how your hands smell after you pet them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't come off. It's, it's pretty. Neither one. Neither. What is it like? Oil or the dander? I don't the know. Dander. Just dog. Yeah, just dog. dog in your I hands. like visiting dogs. Finn is Finn is pretty cool though because he yeah. still has the puppy breath. He does. Oh, it's not <laughs> there, like once, totally well, uh, once, heinous. Once their teeth get heinous, it, the breath goes bad. <laughs> anyway, sorry, not not the way to lead off a show. Uh, welcome back, folks. We're glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. You can always find us on Facebook at ednotdead.com as well to check out all the prolific writing that Mr. Crable and Mr. Siddons do about all things education. Yeah, mucho. All right, we've got a great show tonight. Uh, we are going to be exploring detracking in the San Francisco Unified School District. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a novel idea. In mathematics. In We're going to make a lot of math teachers upset. I'm not going to. I will. <laughs> you might. That's fine. That's good. That's what you do. Um, and then we're also going to talk about LeBron James' I Promise School, mm-hmm. which has shown abundant promise. Abundant promise. Yep. This yeah. year, uh, kudos to LeBron James for putting his money into public education. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about that and quiz show. Quiz show. What do you got for us, Mr. Sids? You got something good? It's a quiz show about the... College admission scandal. Oh my! We haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> that, let's talk about that. Let's well, we it. will. Yeah. But for now, I have a quiz show to whet our appetites. All right. Well, Mr. Crable says that our numbers, uh, our listens are at an all-time high. Yeah, man. And, and yet we have zero show feedback tonight. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, people are just so pleased with yeah. it; they don't give us any feedback. We, we, I don't know. Pia, people are just eating it up and listening. Um, we did have a listener in Arizona who who took exception with the federal government having any role in education. Correct? Yeah, yep. yeah, something okay. along those lines. Right, right. And I and I have a, a colleague who said some pretty favorable things about our out of the box thinking. Yeah, yeah. ooh, yeah, yeah. She she liked our. She liked our our crazy. Well, and it's funny because a lot of you know with Twitter and stuff like that, a lot of people interact by just liking or retweeting. You know, I don't know what percentage of the population feels the need to like make a comment or send a message. Yeah, I certainly don't. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, uh, Mr. Sid's here when <laughs> he was like on a he disappeared. Mr. Did. Graves, I had to, I had yeah, did, did you know that Robbie texted me? Yeah, I was like, he was like, hey, is everything everything yeah, good? Is with everything okay? Casey? When? With Casey? <laughs> Like a few days ago, I yeah. thought you were mad at me, so I stopped. Uh, I stopped texting the group. <laughs> ah, that's funny. Why'd you think I was mad at you? Your your text lacked uh, emotion. <laughs> oh, he's flatlining you. What was I? Flat- I thought due to pr- a certain. Uh, recent events that I was, I did, I was blacklisted. I was, I was, not I was McCarthy. <laughs> you were not. I was not mad at you. 
I was I was concerned you disappeared. Yeah, I know. Was... I know that sometimes you take your social media breaks and your connection breaks, and I thought maybe that was it. It's connected. I I with Twitter, I've taken a very much a backseat. That's that's. Well, good. do you know what he's been doing the whole time he's been gone from from our group text? He's been gardening. Well, yeah. well, maybe. Who cares? What he's, re- <laughs> what he's really been doing is creating his own emoji for himself. I know. I saw that today. <laughs> Bitmoji. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, so cool. It is really cool. <laughs> it's actually enjoyable. It's good. It's got a, it. Lo- it looks a lot like you. Yeah, it, it does. does. When I have the hat on, down to the, it the is, bowler hat it, or I, whatever I, it's called. I would definitely say it's a hipster uh, emoji. Yeah. Yeah. You got the beard uh-huh. and you got the bowler hat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, isn't the uh-huh. bowl? Is the bowler? Yeah, I don't think it's a bowler. I'm not sure what it is though. It's like I call it a tabby tabby hat. Tabby hat. Yeah. Or it's, cabbie it's, hat. It's pretty sweet, Mr. Sids. Yeah. The anyway, Gurren Brothers. What have you guys been up to? Anything special other like, than him? New porch. Or... I'm enjoying a new porch. Screened yeah. in porch. Uh, if you don't have one, get one. My band had our, our last show for a while. Oh. Last nice. weekend, yeah. Thanks ba- for telling us. That was band great. Hi- I don't tell anyone. Band I hiatus. Yeah. Well, the, remember the... The the hippie uh, hippie walkabout for the keyboard player. Yeah, he's in North Dakota by now. Yeah, where oh, where was the right. show? I forgot about that. Uh, Rhode Island Avenue was on somebody's front porch. Oh, yeah, it's like a big neighborhood thing where all the people just volunteer to have uh, you play. You have a bunch of bands play on their front porches, and you know the community just walks around. It's called a porch fest. That's fun. Yeah, it was cool. Cool. It was really cool. Nice. Kind of a Did new you experience. get the text about it? <laughs> no. As oh. I said, I don't tell anyone about it. Oh, you're being facetious. Yes. I, I would I always, win. He always Casey would actually come. Yeah. yeah. He comes to like all of them. I'm, I'm a balloon head. No, I'm, a, I'm a original balloon mean? head. You, you, it's fine. I don't like hold it against you. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not I offended think, by I it. He's making assumptions about me. What is it? What is this about? What is this about me that you know that I don't know? You're no. You're just very busy. You're I'm a very, very busy, important I'm a person. Very busy man. A VIP. Very busy man. VIP. Uh, anyway, well, it was good. The show was good. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot are, of fun. Are you are you psyched about a little band break? I wasn't, but now I'm like, okay, you know, I, I've, yeah, I've come to accept it. You know, yeah, I'll do, yeah. I'll do something else. Yeah, you have three screaming naked children at home right now that just <laughs> FaceTimed us. So you have a lot of responsibilities also. Yeah, a lot of crying. Casey's got none except for putting up external cameras on his house. So, <laughs> so, I was just checking it a minute ago. So, so he can watch people. Great. So These are all the great books that I've read, guys. I know. Oh, have you? That's I, really I nice. just finished Jim Comey's book. Uh, did so you? So good. Oh, yeah, you talked about that last episode. Done. Yeah. Already? So good. Dude, you are. Re- it's an easy read. Voracious. Does Half it, the books about. Is it an actual book or was it an ebook? No, it's an actual book. Oh, let me borrow it. Can I? Can I will. Can I, I wrote all over it though. Is that can okay? I just yeah. ask you? Does he? I t- I seem to. I think, Wait, you take notes on your books. I wasn't going to, but a first half of it talks about a lot about leadership, and I was like, oh, um, I like this. Mr. Craig, lessons about Sorry. it. Mr. Craig, there's, there's a close reading term to describe that. You annotate. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right? Well, I didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Are you annotating? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Why is, is it funny? Is, is he as full of himself as he seems? A little bit, but I empathize Done. more with him after reading it because he had no good choice. Yeah. There was not a good choice in the matter. And like the left vilifies I him. I don't want to go into politics. I'm just saying. Okay. Just saying. Okay. They vilify him and... That it humanizes him. I'm just curious. Aside from politics, he just he seems to have a pretty high estimation of his own. He does of his own abilities. He does, and I'm sure he's a very capable, very tall guy. Very tall, very smart. Is it like yeah. six, seven, six, seven, six, yeah. eight? Yeah. Wow, yeah. like that. Yeah, he's What's a, a tall drink of water. He's yeah, a, he's. A, I like that story about him. 
uh, rushing to um, who was the who uh, to was, John Ashcroft's yeah, to John bedside. Ashcroft. Yeah, that's a great. Story. It, it explains that one. It's, it's I'm actually, sure he talks. It's that's pretty his claim, intense. That's his claim to fame. It's quite a story. Yeah, tell you what, what? But it's uh, he's got some cool, interesting uh, backstory, like personal stuff. That first few pages, I was like, oh, oh my god, cool. Yeah. All right, what are you going to read next? I have a book uh, by Madeline Albright. Okay. Her new book that came out. Figures. Yes, yeah. Yeah. She's idea. talking about. Uh, um, well, it's about tyranny. So, mm-hmm. okay, very yeah. good, Mr. Graves. Anything special? No. no. But before we go into our next segment, yes. I would like to say that uh, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education. By Pulp Education, a full service educational media company specializing in leadership, mm-hmm. instruction, mm-hmm. and 21st century school reform. There you go. We okay. do all of those things. We do. So, boys, we're going to talk about this piece in California Collaborative on District Reform. It's a policy and practice brief. It's titled Pursuing Equity and Excellence in Mathematics, Course Sequencing and Placement in San Francisco. So the premise of the article is detracking. I know this is a a favorite of yours, Mr. Sids. Yes. Detracking in mathematics, which doesn't happen all that much. It does not. No, and I'll talk a little bit about how I taught math in a heterogeneous elementary classroom. Mm. Um, But it's in response to a California move over the last decade where, uh, for lack of a better phrase, algebra for all. I think it's what they called it. Yeah, I think it was for like all. officially policy. Yep. Yeah, in, in eighth grade. Uh, the numbers, according to this brief, uh, the outcomes from algebra for all were fairly horrific. Um, <laughs> ki- kids did not do all that well and then um, didn't do well by the time they got to algebra two and mm-hmm. um, e- even higher level math courses. So San Francisco Unified School District has taken a new policy approach, which is really based on equity and has to do with detracking math classes. So starting in middle school, math classes are now six, seven, and eight. Um, right. And they are threaded through with algebraic uh, content to prepare kids for algebra in ninth, and then eventually algebra two, AP stat, pre-calc and calc. And this started in 2014. Started in 2014. So that's five years of right. So they have data. They have some good data. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, famed superintendent Dr. Jerry Weist used to had this one line that I always really liked, where he said, "The problem with secondary education is there are too many places to put kids." Mm. And so this is really what this does. Instead of a middle school model where you might have five or six offerings that are all based on readiness level. Uh-huh. Where you could have by eighth grade, you could have kids in geometry, you could have kids in algebra one, you could have kids in math eight. Um, now you're just going to have a single course for each grade level, and then once you get past algebra in ninth, then you can start to differentiate by course. The data is promising. It's really promising, right, yeah. Mister? Right, Mister Krebs? Yeah, it's looking at some of these graphs here. Yeah, give so, us give us some numbers. So, and just and I know you said it, but just to reiterate the the fact that it wasn't just about failing algebra and having to repeat algebra. When you look at the numbers, which was roughly half, I think it was 40%. 40%, yeah. right, yeah. But it was also that later on, the geometries, the algebra twos, yeah. Yeah, also did terribly, yeah. which is somewhat surprising to me, I guess. Um, anyway, when you look at the repeat rate for the classes of 2018 and 19 comparison, so 2018 was the last year where they had algebra for all. Right. So it goes from 40 down to, I don't know, somewhere around 8%. Yeah. 
Um, and specifically, when you look at some subgroups, so African-American was just barely over 50%, and that goes down to about 20% in terms of repeating algebra, um, similar numbers uh, for the Latinx community. And then furthermore, the number of math credits earned by the end of grade 11 shot up. So by keeping them back in middle school, they actually ended up with more credits by the end of grade 11, which is very paradoxical Yeah, thinking. That was good. Paradoxical. Yes. So take on this. What's the what's the secret in the sauce in the improvement in the outcomes? Is it is it just the detracking? Is there anything else that they did that jumped out at you? Well, they they led a comprehensive approach for building the capacity of teachers to trying to improve their practice of teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that came along with the curriculum that they that they adopted as a school board. The other thing that is sorely missed in a lot of school districts, especially school districts with not a lot of money, but clearly this one does have a good amount of funds, is all about communication. With And the, there's a whole section on how they communicated what they were doing, why they were doing it, and how they were doing it with local stakeholders. Because as it says here, and it's true, any kind of change to, to a curriculum, an integral curriculum like math, is, is going to get some parents um, upset. And with all the common core misconceptions that arose throughout the years and with um, distrust in government systems that we're seeing across the country, communication with local stakeholders is is, is key. And they, it seems like they did a really good job at, at making sure that they did it effectively. And a few board members ran against it, but did not win. And that's what was most surprising to me, that there wasn't more community backlash. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because this is, and you know, I guess it's not really Silicon Valley per se, but it's the city of Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. of Silicon Valley millionaires. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's kind of ironic that you would have the city of tech slowing down the pace of mathematics instruction. Yeah. So help me out here. If they're detracking, but the prior policy was algebra for all by eighth grade, mm-hmm. then then those courses weren't tracked. If you were if you were to get to if they wanted every kid in algebra by eighth grade, those eighth grade algebra classes would be heterogeneous. <laughs> that is true. That right? is true. Yeah. Unless you had kids beyond algebra in eighth grade. Right. You could have had kids in yeah. you could have had kids in geometry or even algebra too. Yeah. Um so I don't know, is it is it a tracking question or is it an acceleration question? It might be both. In I think it's an acceleration question. Yeah. And because when you look at... Let's see how I did that. You like that? That was, that was good. Okay. Yeah, because they said they selected a curriculum package. They right. don't tell us what curriculum um, they chose, but moving from a textbook that they felt was procedural, just all based on, you know, and if you've ever been in an algebra classroom, a lot of it is procedural because it's do this, do this, do that. <laughs> and that's one of your... That's, that, oh, that, that's, oh, a, that's a bee in your bonnet. Yeah, the worst. <laughs> Because I don't understand it. Why, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. A, there's no why behind that. Correct. But yeah. it talks more about doing math, checking in for understanding. Right. Right. And so what it sounds like is it just slows everything down. Right. So it introduces algebraic concepts. It says it even introduces geometry concepts. Right. And in, in a more, um, I don't think piecemeal is the right word, but in a uh, a smaller, more manageable, chunkable yeah. section. I mean, that repeat rate. That number jumped out to me along with the equity numbers, the, the 40% down to 8%. I yeah. mean, that that is significant. The only other thing, and, and help me out if I miss this, because it's a pretty dense article, is, I mean, they talked about professional development, but they didn't really talk about how teachers in that curriculum, especially in the middle middle school level, 
how they differentiated that curriculum. I mean, if you if you have a heterogeneous uh, math seven class, you've got a range of learners in that class. But and, a lot of but a lot of what math teachers are doing already lend itself to small group instruction and yeah. and manipulative based uh, learning and things like that that there that are that could be instructive for other teachers in the building. So I think they, if if done correctly and and they tap into the, what their skills already lend themselves to, I think it's could be successful. I, I do. I just but they didn't talk about it. No, I, I want to see. I, I, wanted, aren't there. I wanted to see the how of of what they. How'd they get teachers to to not teach to the middle in those classrooms? Because when you've you've got I mean, I'm guessing that you have kids that are significantly below grade level in in math classes with kids that potentially could be way above grade level. Right. Yeah. And so that's a three ring circus trying to I mean that takes a lot of skill to do that. It, it is, but if you look at all the other content areas in the in a middle school, social studies, art electives, in some cases world languages. Um, English classes there, you have kids that are reading at a eighth or ninth grade reading level and you have kids that are reading at a fourth or third grade reading level. So you have to cater to those and and differentiate your instruction for those students. But does that happen? It, well, it can happen. It can happen. I mean, uh, it, it does depends happen. Depends on teacher, school, principal, right. district, I think. It yeah. does happen. But if we're, if we're not going to detract math, then why not detract everything? And just yeah. to, just to look at it from, um, a fully comprehensive lens. Fully comprehensive. That's right. So, and I don't know what data you would use to track. So, you know, the kids that would be taking I'm just, geometry in seventh grade, let's mm-hmm. just say. So kids that are significantly, and this is a very, very small portion of any population, but there are those kids out there that could do something like that. You know, what data shows that they're still getting their needs met? You know, previous, I guess, my question is what would show that yes, our most accelerated learners are doing so well. And then now that you are not advancing those kids, for example, on the map M, is the data look the same? The kids that used to be scoring in the 99th percentile, do you still have the same number or percentage of high-end learners or most proficient learners, however you want to frame them, as you did prior? And it doesn't go into that, but I would be curious to know whether their needs are also being met. Well, I guess guess, um, a lot, I think, a significant amount of tracking research shows that detracking might not help your your kids that are the at the higher end of the achievement hierarchy, but it doesn't hurt them. No, and I I, that, that, I tend to agree with that. I just there's also a significant amount of research that says that the beliefs that teachers bring into a classroom, oh, yeah, that's big impact student achievement. Yeah. Um, if kids are in a classroom where the teacher believes that they will do and work at high levels, um, they're going to perform better than those in d- different classes, which is why detracking is so important. Yeah. I mean, teacher beliefs with tracking, it's, it's been shown that if you're in a, if you're in a lower readiness level course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, expectations tend to correspond yeah. to where, where, where kids are starting. Yeah. Um, I also think maybe, there would be unanticipated positive uh, impacts on climate and kind of the social fabric of a school. Absolutely. If, if you have kids that are of, of mixed readiness with each other, um, I think that's, that's a great way to build community. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I were, Peter and I worked in a school where there was, um, they had a, a robust orchestra and band program. 
And if you very heterogeneous, yeah. If you, but no, no, um, no. Well, not necessarily. So, but okay. if you were, it would. There were two tracks of on-level versus advanced courses, and there's the students who were in the band classes. They tended to be in this particular track, and the students who weren't in band, the band schedule basically mitigate or dictated For the sure. entire school yeah. Schedule. Yeah. Yeah. The schedule so like you there are certain groups of kids who traveled together all right. day yeah. and reinforced those positive or negative yep. uh behaviors or academic um yep. behaviors well, i think that goes back to robbie's whatever your dr jerry weiss quote was about too many options about where to put kids yeah you know what i mean yeah i'll give you another good one yeah, yeah. another good one yeah uh in secondary education <laughs> That's a pretty that's good my, one. That's my best. J- that's a pretty good. J.W. Weist. Uh, J.D.W. Weist. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, in secondary education, differentiation happens in the counseling office. Ouch. <laughs> that's so rough. Well, but it's true. I mean, you schedule kids, and that's how you differentiate. Yeah. And that's... They're, ah, they're, oh, I get it now. You get it? I Putting like mean, kids in different classes. Correct. And so... Uh, and I mean, in both those quotes, he ta- he's basically nailing this article. He's yeah. talking about... I do, I do think, though, um, back to the point of acceleration, and, and I don't know enough about this, but certainly my career has, and, and I guess yours to an extent, has gone along with this acceleration of everybody in algebra by a certain by eighth grade right Mm -hmm. and that i mean there was once upon a time that algebra was a a 10th grade course right uh not quite i took it i took it in ninth grade it was a ninth grade course if you were if you were kind of on level it was a ninth grade course if you were if you were accelerated you were in it it was eighth grade i mean that's how it was forever yeah um and so and there are a lot of people out there that, that would tell you that it's not really developmentally appropriate for most kids that early in seventh grade or sixth grade. Um, so because I, it's of pretty the abstract. abstract. It abstract is pretty thinking. abstract. Okay. I mean, and kids, you know, there are a lot of kids that are still pretty concrete thinkers, uh, even up into early adolescence. So, But that doesn't mean that if you have a heterogeneously mixed class in sixth grade, that you have some kids that are operating at a higher level or thinking at a higher level that you couldn't differentiate to yeah. to support those kids. Yeah, yeah, you could, but I, I think it's interesting they're dialing back the acceleration in a in a significant way. Well, and I think the other interesting aspect of it is that it's not a universal we need to put halt the brakes on everything yeah. across all levels. It's specific to middle school yeah. and it's specific to math. Yeah. Which I think makes it maybe a little bit more palatable to people that would otherwise be uh, perhaps against it because I do think you know high schoolers are obviously different um, developmentally than middle schoolers. Right. So yeah, right. they probably would be appropriate, much more appropriate to differentiate and put in AP classes, kids for some and not for others. But, yeah. Seventeen. But, but I do now. Now I, I'm c- going to correct myself. I do know yes. something about this, which is that I do think that that algebra for all or or acceleration in math did come out of a lot of research in the 80s and 90s about. Um, how the lack of rigor and academic press there was in the middle level. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was research I've told you guys this before that um, I think uh, Jacqueline Eccles did it from the university of Michigan that showed that uh, there was the, the terminal grade in elementary school was more challenging than the first grade of the first year of middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the kind of, the kind of overreaction to that was, was let's make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And everything needs to be harder. Everything yeah. needs to be harder. And I'm not, you know, I think now, I think this is speaks to, okay, let's rethink that. Um, just like departmentalization, right. that once upon a time there were interdisciplinary teams. I think, I think the jury on that was that that was too soft. Yeah. Um, that middle school had become integrated mm-hmm. and it wasn't challenging enough, especially once with the dawn of the of the high stakes testing and accountability era after the 90s it was it was everything has to be hard because we're going to be accountable yeah let me ask you so you taught elementary school yep math yep in a heterogeneous classroom I did and I, does that inform you in terms of this article at all yeah it's not easy yeah i mean it it is um and i ha- i i taught um i even actually taught in a heterogeneous four five combination um and so I had the range of accelerated fourth graders or the most struggling fourth grader oh, okay. to the, to the highest achieving. Oh, fifth so it grader. wasn't based. It was just straight up I, four or five mix. It wasn't correct. ability level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, I mean, it just took a lot of planning. Um, I had to be really intentional about how I pulled groups and how I differentiated the content that I was doing. Um, you know, there's always the risk of that you don't get to your highest achievers enough sure. that they can work independently and you can give them busy work. Um, and and yeah, there's a big pitfall. Mm-hmm. So I really had to be in, intentional about how I challenged them. Um, and then, you know, you know, you have kids that struggle with math that you have to spend you do have to spend a lot of time. There's no substitute for time for some kids with math. Yeah. They need a lot of, of support and repetition yep. practice, yeah. um, but it's doable. And it, and I, and the thing I got out of that was that I had a great culture in my classroom. I mean, I loved it. And, and I, and I built this, this culture where kids helped each other. Yeah. And that was, yep. that was really beneficial. Positive um, learning communities. Yeah. And, and, you know, some parents freak out about the peer to peer support because sure. that's their, their highly able or high readiness level kid wasting time, helping right. a kid that needs help. <laughs> um, doing your job. Yeah. Doing yeah. my job as a teacher. Um, but it, but it, it, it has positive, positive benefits. If structured correctly, it can yeah. lead to a lot of results. That's yeah. how you learn things. You teach it to someone else. Yep. I also did it when I was piloting, Singapore math. Oh man, you, I've definitely heard of that. Yeah, Singapore. I'm not familiar. Yeah, Singapore math. Um, you know, was the it was the it so was it just rote. No, it was it was. Um, well, that's a topic for another day. Okay. It was interesting curriculum. Okay. They they have a, unlike the United States, they have a national math curriculum. Yeah. Um, that they sell, and um, it was it was it was an eye opening experience to to pilot something that did not in any way go along with the way we historically have taught math. Right. Okay. All right, boys. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts? Mr. Sids, thanks for finding this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's see what math teachers think about it. Detracking. Yeah. I'm curious what math teachers think. I'm curious if, if um, you know, our, just in general, the pendulum is swinging a little bit back the other way towards, away from the acceleration and more towards, you know, like San Francisco is doing a little bit more um, heterogeneous for all. I think you raise a good question about it the, at the upper end, though. Yeah. What What... How how might it impact kids that are that are really super math students? Yeah. All right. Don't go away. When we come back, we're going to be talking about I Promise, the new school uh, supported by LeBron James. Thanks. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. 
We are still here. We just did three takes on the welcome back. <laughs> so good. The first one, they were both bad. It's very important to say welcome back in the you know the right tone of voice I with know, the right amount right. of enthusiasm. Sometimes, sometimes, it's a lot of pressure. Sometimes, a lot of pressure. Sometimes, sometimes too much. Sometimes, sometimes too I little. experiment and you guys don't think it's funny. And <laughs> so Anyway, so I just went with the straight welcome back on that. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. back. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. So we are now going to talk about a very interesting piece in what i don't have it in front of me <laughs> what is it mr craig uh the i promise school in akron ohio yeah no i meant to i meant the publication oh oh the new york times the new york times yes. how could i forget the new york slimes i think it's in <laughs> i think it's ba- i think it's based in new york city somewhere the new york times uh uh there's a famous conservative radio host <laughs> now he's coughing oh my god <laughs> why are you coughing uh, nothing okay so lebron james has lent his considerable wealth and more importantly, his commitment and um, philanthropic motivations to education in his hometown of Akron. Uh, He is an Ohio guy through and through and cares deeply about kids in Akron. So this is a public school that um, is funded mostly from the Akron school district uh but he his foundation has contributed a significant amount of money uh i think in the neighborhood of about six hundred thousand dollars yeah and the the school's two million dollar budget two million is funded by by the district the local right funding mechanism um so anyway their motto is we are family and it is a school that has shown a significant amount of promise in a short amount of time for kids that uh, have historically struggled in their other locations or their previous education. And the interesting thing, I know this jumped out at you, Mr. Craves, because you sometimes take issue with how charters and how certain schools cherry pick, cherry pick and, you know, self self select kids. Well, these are kids that have significantly have come a lot of them from um, the, the lower bounds of the achievement hierarchy kind of they or they've had significant trauma induced issues Mm -hmm. um and we'll talk a little bit about that trauma-informed curriculum they Mm -hmm. they they use as well the Uh, 10th to the 25th percentile on a nationally normed test test, which would be the map yes by nwa academic progress right so i would like to say that the motto of we are family is is striking to me it is it is okay Uh, i think you have a lot of schools that don't have that kind of motto. It's a sports motto, or right. it's a motto about a, a mascot or something. Right. But right. well, I don't know. I, I think I think there there are a bunch of things that jump out about I promise. One of which is the way they're approaching uh, improving outcomes, extended school year, extended day, um, created through negotiated agreement with the local union, mm-hmm. uh, wraparound services for kids resource significant resources which i think is is this is a big one that is underdone in public education for parents mm-hmm. ged preparation mm-hmm. um other food ki- pantry food pantry other kinds of continuing mm-hmm. education opportunities for parents and and the 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 impact of this has been to create this setting where uh teachers and kids believe um in themselves in a way that maybe whoever they were with earlier didn't believe in them yeah. Um, and, and I, I think a few people in the article say that they have a long way to go because these are kids that have started significantly further behind, but they're catching up. At least their data shows that initially. Um, so 
takes on I Promise. What do you guys think? One, I would like to point out that we have on the, on the show said... Rich people funding. Rich people take your money and get out. Get out. <laughs> I believe Casey might have said that. I probably did say that, but, yeah. but uh, LeBron is okay. Yeah. So with that being said, is the caveats, all the, the nice things that we're now going to say about it. Um, I think there's a couple a couple different items at play here. So I think one to look at is the financial commitment that they have, not only from the school district, but the additional financial commitment. So... Very prominent in the news recently has been a lot about school funding mm-hmm. and about, quote-unquote, fully funding school districts. Um, and I think this starts to get at what that means, mm-hmm. is that it's not just about... <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Hey. He's, like, he's giving you that. Uh, yeah, is, is, it's not just about meeting the minimum per pupil cost, is that in highly impacted schools, there's a lot of different factors yeah. at play from where the kids are coming from, the things that they experience, either in their communities and their homes, um, that is challenging to overcome in the best of situations. And having a school be able to support families through that, I think, is very important. The second thing I'll say, and then, sorry, you can yeah, respond to both no, of those, is that it doesn't talk about the awesome new curriculum that they have. It doesn't talk about all the computers that they have oh, and all the a, cool technology. Ding, ding, ding. To me, the thing that sets this school apart is the culture of the school. I think you have people that see this and they go, yes, LeBron's cachet draws them in initially and gets really motivated, caring teachers into the building. And then this whole, you know, the reiteration of the We Are Family and somewhere in here it has some of the the tenants of that. Yeah. You know, last segment, you talked about the commitment of teachers and the belief of teachers Mm -hmm. in students to do well. And I think you have a great example of that here, Mm -hmm. of a group of teachers and professionals and whoever that are committed to students doing well and that students are rising to meet that challenge. Yeah. Those are the two things for me. Those are big. And uh, there was a principal in the district who said that the school values things that no money could buy. It doesn't take money to build relationships and to show kids that you love them and that we are here to support you. That's our main goal for us here at the school. But I will say, it's easier to love everyone when you have everything that you need. I, that is true. That is true. And the things that they do provide are, are for parents that don't necessarily seem directly connected. But when you look at the things that kids bring into schools in, in, in a highly impacted school, they're not just bringing their own issues and their own troubles um, necessarily. They're bringing in the troubles that their parents are experiencing when they're working three jobs or don't have a high school degree or don't have a college degree or don't have steady work or don't have the services that you might need um, to live a healthy and, and um, just a well-balanced life. So the things that they're providing, they're providing the GED preparation for parents. Mm-hmm. They're providing work advice, probably like resume preparation, things like that. They're providing health and legal services, and even a quarterly barbershop, which I would never use. But just <laughs> it's just go in a, there and get a shave. Your head. Yeah, that's true. I could get a nice. You just little, go in there and somebody do it for you. I never got a good shave before. I never got a, a, a shave. Yeah. Anyway, um, the I, I think it goes to show you what you're saying, Craves, is that um, funding schools is more than paying teachers and their benefits and building fancy-looking schools with with all the accoutrement. It goes way beyond that because what does a, a quality community need? It needs all those other things that some communities just, for whatever reason, 
historically or otherwise don't have the ability to currently provide. I would also reiterate, walking into a crumbling school building does not send the message and help create the culture of, you are special, what we're doing here is special. I yeah. agree. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm, I'm not, I guess I was getting more towards the point of having totally. fancy new iPads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> on a on a yeah, on a more really like on a more uh, somber note, oh. um, the other this other quote stuck out to me when it talks about you know the students are doing really well, the data is looking great or or at least promising for these for these children. Um, the the quote that stuck out to me was that the students have a long way to go to even join the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. To some extent, the excitement surrounding the students' progress illustrates a somber reality in urban education where big hopes hinge on small victories. So, I just it, it kind of brought me back a few steps after reading the article. Yeah, it's 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 hard work, and there's a lot to do, um, but you got to start somewhere. And we've we've covered research. Who was our guy Reardon, who did the research at, from Stanford on mm, yeah. on the schools that add value beyond the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically what it shows what I think I promise is done. I mean, you've, you're they're they're they've got to They've got to flatten the curve for these kids. They've got to accelerate yeah. them because they're, they're starting further behind. And then as, as LeBron James and the school system have identified, there's a lot of other factors that are going to support that, that moving them quicker. Yeah. Um, getting their parents engaged, helping their families, all of that stuff will will factor in. It's not just. I mean, they need great teachers, and I'm sure yeah. they have great teachers, and that'll be one of the biggest factors, I think. But, um, and but, I think that that does lend itself to a good point about um, bringing parents and communities into the school. I mean, the school is a linchpin of a, of the community, or it can be, or it should be. So, and I think in a lot of uh, areas that maybe are disadvantaged. There's not a lot of positive feelings about what the school offers them. Exactly. Yeah. Historically yeah. or otherwise, yeah. um, maybe they had just as awful an experience in school as their children are. Yeah. Um, That's a good point, Casey. What do you all think about the how it's run? Let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about how it's run. <laughs> so you mean this? We, that we've if, bashed on charter schools to some degree. Not you, Robbie, but I have. Um, so me. Thank I've you been for, bashed um, on charter schools. Thank you for pointing. Yeah, you know, because uh, there's, there's, there's enough. Crable's got a kid at <laughs> a charter school. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's enough. There's enough food at the table. There's That's enough right. space. Why you, now you're making fun. That's you a good quote. That's a good quote. Don't you like how he gave, he gave with one hand uh, yeah. and then he took away with another? You know, whatever. You know. No, seriously. How do you? What do you think about it? What specifically? What promise is not a charter school run by a private operator. Oh, that. But a public school operated by the district. Well, it's a public partnership with a private foundation. And but who is running the the, the show? The the principal is hired by the district. Yeah. And then what? To what extent does the charter school board have? Um, there is no charter, charter school, school board. board. Not board. Um, the, the school board. Public school. Isn't there someone that works for LeBron that? Has his or her say in in some things that are operated I or no? See, I didn't see that in the article. Oh, okay. Then Somebody runs the family resource center. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but I th- I think it's. Um, so what do you do? What what's your point? No, he just he's asking. I think just about having a sort of the governance structure. Yeah, of having a, yeah a, no, a lab, an experimental lab school um, under the auspices of a of a public school because usually these sorts of things are under. Um, under charter schools or labeled as charter schools, but this is just a straight up public school. And I was telling Crable earlier before we went on air is that I think 
everything about this seems like something I would support, where you have public schools running the show, funding it to some extent with support from outside resources. And, and it's, I agree. it's not like outsiders doing it. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think it harkens back to the advent of charters in the first place, which I mentioned yep. was by... It is. It mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Teachers mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Don't quiz me. Don't quiz me, brother. I can't remember Don't the name. Albie Shanker also oh. brought it up. Yeah, no, but and the, then a the group first of it, charter was in Min- Minneapolis, Minnesota. But Mr. Shanker talked about it yes, to a group of educators. That's he right. took his idea and ran. That's right. But the idea was a small group of educators, experimental, innovative, etc. Yeah. Still a public school, but trying something out that could hopefully inform other schools yeah. to... Copy their practice. But, what a cool concept to have a bunch of teachers <laughs> come together with some innovative programming and uh, create some new programs what, for what's kids. Your, what's your butt? Hey, well, he's irritating me. No, you're <laughs> such a baby. <laughs> you're a baby. Such a baby. <laughs> uh, you're just mad I made a cool bitmoji. Okay. You don't even have anything to say to that. Yeah. No. <laughs> so what was your butt? I just don't... I mean... I. I take exception with with Bitemoji Boy over here and <laughs> and his and his no one else can have input or help him to run a school other than public educators. Who who am I forgetting? Well, I think this is this is a partnership between um a foundation that mm-hmm. I'm sure has some say and I'm it's sure it's, it's, I'm it's, sure it's, they it's weigh in and they they need to have a stake stake in the game they're investing a significant amount of resources i don't disagree with that okay but you just said it's yeah you made it sound like it's exclusively run by the school system no that's not what i was insinuating. i apologize if i did no i just they're giving a lot of money which provides them with some sort of input i'm just saying like it's a a public school it's a the public school system is allowing for this to flourish the innovation to flourish which the the opening the door needs to open to that so that we don't allow the private school companies and the private charter schools to uh uh, take over in that sense point taken yes i i agree I, i just i guess my point was that if you are going to enter in to partnerships where a foundation like lebron james's foundation which is providing a significant amount of support Therefore, you know, you have to allow them to have some input. They have a seat at the table. They definitely have a seat at the table. And so, um, and, and I think there are, I think there are, there are probably a lot of examples in public ed out there where philanthropists are engaged with public schools, not just charters, but public schools and are investing. Um, I can think of a couple uh, locally where, where that's the case. Um, yeah. So no, I'm with you. Yeah. I understand what you're saying now. The only caveat is that you have to have LeBron murals every five feet. Yeah. Well, you know what? I <laughs> I'll, would, I'll take it. I would love to go to school with LeBron murals yeah. everywhere. I mean, as a as a as a kid, that would be pretty. Mm-hmm. There's a wall with his shoes. Oh I mean, uh, yeah. Th- and think about how I mean how moving that is for these kids. He's a local guy mm-hmm. um, who who grew up and has been tremendously successful and has his own basically look, brand. He's a businessman. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the kids are called the chosen ones. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And there's a quote in here um, where a kid is talking about how special it is that LeBron made the school and that as a result, they feel as well. And so one kid says, one time LeBron wrote us a letter and I knew it was real because I saw the paper that was signed in pen. He says, that encouraged me. Yeah. Wow. Um, another one said, LeBron made this school. It's an important school. It means you can always depend on someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, again, to, to what you were saying, Casey, it's the messaging in the, you are here because you're special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not here because you're underperforming. Yeah. You're not here because of this. Yeah. We chose you mm-hmm. to be here. I like your point about the innovation, too. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I and I'm sure. I mean, I, I've told you guys about Parkside Elementary School, which is where my dad went to school in the 30s, mm-hmm. which was a progressive elementary school. Um, and it was a part of the public school system and, and was opened as an experimental school. Um, that That's what we need. I mean, you're, you're right, Case. We need public school systems to, you know just kind of open the door and let innovation happen it's i guess it's you know we, we've talked at length about how the door doesn't get open that much and I, I would further argue that although the original sort of like idea for charters was to take lessons learned and implement them but in some sense it's like this works here in akron right because of lebron to some extent right. you know sure. what i mean right. Right. So is it repl- replicable? Correct. Yeah. So being like, oh, we'll add an hour. You know, I could see somebody be like, we'll add an hour to the day, and we'll do an extended school year, and we'll come up with a cool motto. And it's like, well, I don't think that's really the innovation, right. you know. So yeah, encourage innovation, but you know, hyper localized in- innovation, right? Um, based on what the community is right. telling you its needs are. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess the other thing too is that. Is the, is the funding replicable? I mean, if they uh, they, they they point out in the article that the, the the school is funded above what other schools are funded at locally, even even the school system is spending more money on the school than other schools, right? Well, I think that yeah, and I think you're right, but that just right. goes to but can you do the that sad can, state of funding? I, I think know, for a lot of schools, but can you bring that to scale? And and, no. and, and yeah, I know, and that <laughs> I mean, you could if we make it a commitment. But that's what you know, that's what states and, and the nation right. has to wrestle right. with. Right, yeah. bring it to scale. Yeah, right. All right. Um, kudos to LeBron James. Keep up the great work. We'll we'll be following. I promise. We'll Casey gonna... still thinks rich people shouldn't be in education. <laughs> he, might, sure. <laughs> he might change. On that. Changes too a little bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> not at all no but you like lebron yeah yeah i think if you compare that with what sucker face did in <laughs> so newark just giving here, here's here's a hundred bills yeah um and it was kind of like just here here's some money Spend you can't it. just you can't just throw money at a problem no you can't and and you're right the and research- lebron and the Did research shows that that, that not necess- that money, you know, inputs don't necessarily they don't tell the whole story. Correct. Every dollar input is not equal. It's correct. Yeah. Yeah. The LeBron, la- LeBron came in and did gave money, but also followed it yeah. up with uh, what that community desperately needs. Right. The last thing I want to do, say, I want to say, is that I do, you know, it is throughout this article they're keeping their eye on the prize, which is student achievement. I mean, they're focused on outcomes. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. want they very want important. they want to move kids, and they they're very. I like how they put it out there that hey, we're we're the we've had a promising start, mm-hmm. but there's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I can't remember after the second segment. Do we, <laughs> we got go a quiz? Re- I think it's coming a quiz out. show. I need, I need a break. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Can we go? My stamina. My Ed's not dead. Stamina is sorely lacking. No, we gotta I, we gotta keep moving. Yeah, and, we're gonna keep and, moving. Producers, you ready for it? You suckers have been. We're, we'll take a break. We'll take a quick break. Quick rake, we will be right back. Cash app. Yeah, don't don't go anywhere. Thanks. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. Thank you for staying with us. I was Robbie's little, refreshed. I was a little tired. <laughs> but now I feel good. Good. And Get some stretching, some calisthenics. Yep. Um we just went out in the backyard and watched the dog uh, obsessively run circles. That was fun. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it was good. 
All right, it is that time of the show. Yes. Mr. Craves has given us a hard deadline, and we've got to be done in 10 minutes. <laughs> the right? quiz. So it's, it's a quiz show. That's right. It's quiz show time. Okay. All right, so what do you got, Mr. Sims? We all know about the, uh, the infamous college admission scandal that we have yet to talk about, the implications thereof on this show, but we will... Have a quiz about it. We'll have a quiz about it. There you go. Ready? What better way to talk about it? What better way to talk about it than have an arbitrary pithy quiz? pithy facts. That's okay. Right. That's Multiple right. choice or a uh, short answer? All of the above. Ooh. Okay. Yep. All right, go ahead. All right. The U.S. District, the U.S. Attorney in the District of Massachusetts charged how many people... 12. In federal court as part of a long-running nationwide conspiracy to illicitly gain admission for high school students to top colleges and universities. Is it 25, 50, or 75? 25. Tw- uh, well, I said 12, so yeah, I'll go 25. It's actually 50. Ah, 50 people. Uh, darn. Next, many God, parents a lot. N- Many parents apparently paid $200,000 and up to how many million? It's below 10. To have their children admitted to various colleges and universities. Two million. Three point six million. Six point five million dollars. Next one, number three. Television stars uh, blank Lori Desperate Housewives and Blank from Full House and Fuller House were charged as part of the alleged scheme. Do you know this? I know both of them. I do not. Felicity Huffman and Lori Lachlan. Wow. What was Felicity Huffman in? Desperate Housewives. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're the only ones that made the, the news. That's right. Because if the celebrity's not involved, then it goes away in like a day. Yeah, that's true. true. All right, next one. Number five. You can tell how closely I followed this. Game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Number four. Laughlin and her husband, fashion designer Mossimo Giannulli, <laughs> allegedly agreed to pay bribes totaling $500,000 in exchange for having their two daughters designated as recruits to which USC sports team? That would be crew. Water polo. Crew is correct, wow, despite nice. the fact that they did not ever participate in Crew. Have you ever seen her YouTube channel? No, no, but I you want should, to. You now. should watch Lori Laughlin's. No, her the, their daughter. daughter. Oh, okay, their daughter. Um, uh, what was I going to say about that? I crew. Was, I know. I was going to say. Oh, there was a picture of them. I think coming out of federal court, wherever that would have been, Massachusetts. Yep. Um. Well, was not a great look. He was. How do you, what's the, what's her hubby's name? Massimo. Massimo Ferragamo. Giannoli. Okay. Giannoli. He um, he had on what looked like a five thousand dollars suit, and <laughs> she had this kind of self serving smirk on her face, mm. and they just they just they looked the part because they're yeah. going to get out of it. I mean, they. I know they they'll just pay a fine. They they'll pay a fine. They didn't look. They just didn't look like two people that were uh, scared that they were going to lose their freedom. Right. Uh, SNL did a, uh, did their cold open on it on Saturday. It was uh, did they? Very was it good? good. Very to, good. They're to... all in the same jail cell with Michael Avenatti. Really? Oh, it's so good. Michael Avenatti. And, and, and uh, WikiLeaks guy. Uh, that's so good. You got to watch it. Oh, that's good. Okay, good. good. All right, number cool. five. The alleged scandal has been under investigation for approximately how long? Two years. Yeah, I was going to say two years. One year. Oh, one year. Lies. All right. Lies. Fake news. Six. I'm not going to do that one. Number seven. The investigation was codenamed which of the following? A, Operation Moneyball. B, Operation Varsity Blues. Or C, Operation Blindside. Operation Varsity Blues. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That is correct. B is correct. And the last question is, among others. This this is is for all all the marbles. This is a red light challenge. You have to bet everything. Among others, the Justice Department alleges which nine colleges and universities were impacted. Go. Oh. 
USC. Ding. Georgetown. Ding. UCLA. Ding. Um, Harvard. No, Harvard. Were, they were nope. gra- they I were grateful they were out of it. Um, uh, Stanford. Uh, yes, somewhere in, somewhere in Georgia, Emory or nope. No. Um, how many? How many do we name? Four. You have Stanford, Georgetown, UCLA, and USC. There's one. Uh, there's two in the south. One in the two in the north. Oh, three in the north actually. Northeast. Uh, University of Georgia. Nope. I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know any of the other. University. One's an Ivy League. I don't know, maybe there's a couple. An Ivy League? Yeah. Yale. Correct. Yale. Okay. Ding. Uh, Dartmouth. Nope. Dartmouth. Columbia. <laughs> nope. All right. Uh, Penn. Nope. Boston University. Oh, man. Northeastern. Northeastern, I knew that. University of Texas at Austin. Did not know that. And Wake Forest. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Wake Forest? The Demon Deacon. The Demon Deacon. I visited Wake Forest. Did you? Uh, as my, a young man. Was bro- there? Did you see the forest through there. the trees? No. That's a great, that's a nice school. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. My my bro. That was his that it. was his second choice. It wasn't far enough away from home for me. <laughs> That's pretty far. <laughs> you, you, you could what? drive home. It's not yeah, far you could enough drive. Away. Yeah. Yep. Um not enough. Because <laughs> they not enough. Love you, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, what else do you have? Is that it? I think that was that it. That's it. What, That's what, it. by the way, what's a red light question? What is red that? light challenge. Did you ever watch Cash Cab? No. No. We did a cash cab quiz show, though, didn't we? Yeah. That's basically the red light challenge when you were in the car. You stop at a red light. You stop at a red light. It's, oh. it's, it triggers a red light challenge. Oh, okay. And if you get it right, you win X amount of dollars. If you get it wrong, there's no, no penalty. Kick you out of the car. No, how, no, 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 no. Is no, that no. how old okay. I am that I don't know anything about that? Cash cab was in the aughts when you were beginning your principalship. Yes. This is true. It's not still on, is it? It is. Yeah, oh. it's back on. Ooh, 2005. It's so good. Discovery it. Channel. Have you, by the way, have have has there been a, a one T sighting after the after the Mueller? He's report? been he's been um, quieter than Bob Mueller in the last Bobby Three Sticks <laughs> in the last three weeks. Has he? Yeah. Okay, we got to call him at some point. Well, we might as well call him now. I got to call him now because it's just going to go. How are we? Are we? Are we? Are we up against the end of the show? Hold on. No, what, we what, a couple what, minutes. What are we on time? I mean, we always have time for one T. Is uh? Is the this microphone is on? Is your fourth recording thing on? Does our audience know about the 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 terrible um the terrible technology setup we have now? No, we're not going to. We're not going to no, tell, tell them that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds pretty. That ringtone sounds. He's not going to answer. Suspect. Of course, he's not going to answer. Why it's because it's coming from Casey. If I call if, him, any, anytime Casey calls, he's never going to pick does. up. Jim Patterson, I can't get to this call right now. Of course JP, you can. so good. Could you choose not to? That's right. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished you're, you're recording, say something? you may hang up. Oh yeah. No, no, you can, you can hear. Oh yeah. Hi, Jim. Because <laughs> it's got a microphone. Hey, Jim. Hi, Jim. It's good. Good to hear from you. Pick up the phone one of these times. Bobby three six is retired. Give time a, to time to come out. Give us a call. <laughs> okay, give okay. us a call. Okay, call your mother. <laughs> yeah, we mi- we miss you one too. We miss you. All right, enjoy retirement. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's our friend Jim. What Patterson. are you going to do when you retire? Ooh, that was that came out of the blue. <laughs> um, I, like, I like to think about retirement. I've had some fantasies lately about. Florida near the Everglades where I can fish a lot. Yeah. Yep. Um, Are you going to stop wearing uh, shirts with sleeves? <laughs> yeah. 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 I, will. I think that's a requirement gonna, in Florida. It's going to be sleeveless shirt. Guy. I mean, wouldn't you like to live in a place where you could wear shorts, a t shirt, and flip flops every day? I'm pretty into it. Yeah. That, I don't I know would, if I would choose Florida. 
Yeah, Florida I know. That might not be there in 50 years. So Florida might not be there. You're right. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. Okay. I, I do, you know, I do think about it occasionally though, but I have, I have a ways to go. Yeah. I, I'm not even close. And I think about it all the time. I, <laughs> Well, Crable, man, you have you've had. I was bored to live a life of leisure. You know, you know Crable, Crable, Crable. Since I've known him, I'm. What year? What year did I hire you? Twelve, oh, eight, no, twelve. It was for you. Two thousand twelve. It was eight years ago. It was eleven. I think 11. it was eleven. Okay, yeah. so you've gotten married. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm still waiting on that invitation. <laughs> Josh Dunbar showed up. <laughs> You, have you ever told him how resentful I am that I had just hired him and that he didn't invite his principal to, to his wedding? I wouldn't have invited I, you either, I, I don't think. <laughs> what? Because I didn't know you. Yeah, okay, whatever. I shouldn't have hired either one of you. <laughs> anyway. But uh, but whose wedding yeah. did you come to? I came to yours. Right. Yeah. So relax. I, left pretty, I left pretty early. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you've had three kids and gotten married and just like... Yeah, blink eight, of an eye. Years. A lot of lot of changes. A lot of ha- lot lot happening. Now I'm going to retire. So, yeah. Um, anyway, all right, folks. Thanks for joining us once again. Ed's not dead. Spread the word. You can find us on Twitter at Ed's Not Dead PC. We are not giving our personal Twitter accounts out anymore. <laughs> oh, I am you at are? Ch Siddons. Oh, at Ch Siddons. Okay, yep. he's built a significant wall between wall. between his. I have a big wall. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and Mr. Crabes? Yeah, Peter Crable. At Peter Crable. There you go. Got it. Uh, just a reminder that Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education. Mm-hmm. Pulp Education is the bomb. It is a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. And you can find us at Ed's Not Dead. And on Facebook. Ed'sNotDead.com. We get a lot, of, we get a lot of interest. If it, yeah, in, Facebook is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, any blogs coming out? No, just a uh, couple definitely, drafts. Yeah, and but go go back and check out EdTech Balance, mm-hmm. uh, the three C's to be a more confident teacher. That's right. And then a uh, little charter school policy, some suggestions. Uh, don't, charters don't have to be the wild west of education. It's a gr- that par- charter school piece is outstanding. Okay, can you um, the next blog? Can you guys make sure that you you quote me right in the blogs, please? <laughs> I did. Yeah. So te- oh yeah. So so Crable so has this blog on testing. From last right. year. From last year. Great. Was, it's a great piece. And I was but, like, Redux. I was like, it's already written. Okay. It's testing right. season. Let's so at the very end, there's a <laughs> there's a line about some about my coercive accountability <laughs> phrase that is completely from out of the I, the I, sentence before it and the sentence after it have nothing well, to do with it. It's also like I clearly didn't understand what it meant when I, I put it in there. <laughs> but it sounded really good. I, I I just wanted to use it. I, okay. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I re I, I re- went back and reread it. I was like, nope, does not make, make sense. any sense. <laughs> anyway, uh, tell your friends about Ed's Not Dead. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you uh, want to give us show feedback, we'd love it. We're, we're a little short on show feedback. So uh, tweet us, send us an email. Or what's our email? Ed's Not Dead PC at gmail.com. Yeah, so send us an email. We'd love your feedback. We'll read it on the show. Thanks, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.